Welcome to episode 158 of the No Proscenium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm Noah Nelson coming to you from No Pro headquarters in Los Angeles, and the show is, as always, brought to you by the lovely folks at Meow Wolf down in Santa Fe, New Mexico. This week on the show, we have Damien Madre, the founder of Presence, which you can find at withpresence.co, not .com, .co, a fantastic website that is all about social experiences and... Um, it's kind of like a, almost like a, a, a somewhat of a producer, a facilitator of, of that thing, a ticketing site, kind of all in one. Indeed, he sees it as the, the Patreon for Experiential. Uh, we're going to talk more about that. We're also going to talk a little bit about Experiential by Design, uh, a show whose name is also EXP Asterix DSN. It's a live web show that starts next Thursday, August 2nd. Uh, and I'm going to be one of the first guests on that show. So we're um, you're going to get a little preview of of of, of that maybe uh, kind of you know, Damien's worldview around all this stuff. But first, let's do a little bit of tiny bit of business. Patreon.com/slash/NoProscenium is where you can help this show, the No Proscenium website, uh, everything immersive, all the weird little behind the scenes stuff that I scurry around helping out with, all of that work which is probably, I gotta say, about three full-time jobs right about now, you make that possible by uh, dropping off a dollar or five dollars or any amount at patreon.com slash no proscenium. Uh, we do need your support. We need it. Eh, I wish I could say otherwise, but I can't. Woohoo! Um, the sustaining backers of No Proscenium are Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, and Ross Sigworth. Thank you all for getting us this far. And again, thank you to Meow Wolf for becoming the, the ground upon which we stand. Now, just one or two more things before we jump in here to the episode to set this up. So, uh, Presence I've known about for a hot minute here. Uh, they were kind of based out of San Francisco. They were doing a lot of food-related experiential events. Um, there was, uh, there's also a collective that Damien uh, sort of heads up called The Glint that was operating uh, in conjunction with Presence. And Presence is this sort of, isn't sort of, Presence is the website where all these things uh, put their shingles up. So Lights Out, which is an experience I know some of you have gone to, uh, that of course you bought those tickets through Presence. Presence is developing into a platform for social experiences, and Damien and I are going to talk a little bit about what that means, I'm going to talk a bit about his plans for Experiential by Design, how he got into all this. Indeed, lots of fun philosophical stuff that kind of takes us to a point where we talk about how this methodology of design uh, is a lot about for lack of a better terms, expanding human consciousness and unlocking human potential. So there we go. Uh, that's your setup. And now on with the show. Uh, Damien, thank you for letting me come over yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, to, your, to your home here. Um, Glad to have you. So for those 
for those who aren't familiar with presence, I wonder if you could kind of give, and you're probably used to this from your tech days, giving the elevator pitch. Because yeah. um, I think people would love to know a little bit about you know, what you're building, um, and then we'll just sort of do the no-pro thing and like yeah. wing into a conversation here. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, quick elevator pitch that will give context uh, immediately is, uh, think of it as Patreon for live experiences. Uh, and so what we do is we allow um, creators of live experiences to have monthly pledges uh, that they can ask their community to back or support their experiences with. Uh, so what that really means is that you're you're able to like uh, get, let's say $8, $5, whatever pledge you ask people for, um, say monthly or quarterly. And in return, you give your community members who are now like backers to your, of your experience, you would give them discount or free passes to, to the experience. Um, but the primary motivation for, for them wanting to like pleasure is because they want to support. You know, someone comes to your experience and you know, if you if you create amazing experiences, I bet you hear it all the time. It's like, oh man, love what you're doing. This is awesome. I'd love to come again. Uh, how can I get involved? Like you hear that often enough where it's like if you can ask people and give them an easy way to help financially, then they they would do it. So Patreon has proven this, Kickstarter has proven this. Um, and the reason that we're doing this uh, is because, you know, as, a, as an experiential designer and producer of um, social gatherings, what I find is that it's very difficult to make money from ticket sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've done it for five years. And I've always either, I'm always in the red or I break even. And when I break even, there's like a, like, like a huge win. It's like, yeah, break even, that was a success. It's like but there's no compensation or so for the time that you invest into like designing it you know producing the whole thing yeah um and that's i don't know anything about that no (laughs) (laughs) yeah right it's like so so yeah i just wanted um presence uh was you know birthed out of that frustration that i i have and i believe that you know if we can get more uh creators to be like sustainable then what will happen is then other artists, producers, designers will start doing more and more and more experiences. And the reason for wanting more and more experiences is because I believe it's a, it's a tool, it's a great way for us to connect with each other or connect with ourselves. Yeah. Um, it, it, is, it is an absolute um, amazing tool to cultivate presence um, in, in a space or in a person. Um, and so when we talk about cultivating presence, when we talk about more connections either to yourself or to each other, um, I think that's a worthy, um, that's something that we should aspire to have more of because if you look around in the world, I think we could we could see that we need a lot, a, a lot more connection um, with each other. So yeah. what, are, what are your experiences cultivating vulnerability or presence or, uh, or empathy, you know, like whatever it's cultivating, uh, those are interesting um, tool sets, interesting per, um, traits for people to like develop and adopt. Yeah. Uh, and experience is, is great at doing that because it's, uh, it's, it's behavioral, right? It's, um, it immerses you in it and you're, acti- you're acting it out. Um, and so experienced designers have this amazing responsibility and uh, power to allow people to like take on new behaviors 
Um, and that's that's pretty interesting, you know, uh, for well, us to have that. Maybe let's let's didn't necessarily expect that we'd go here this fast, but like, uh, <laughs> uh, let's dig into that a little bit. Um, yeah. This idea of of the behavioral and about you were just saying like they have a, this responsibility. So like, uh, blow that out a little bit. Well, the way I look at it, uh, and I, and what I should say is, um, you know, along with doing presence, my background is also experience designer. And so for me, I do social experiences, right. which I see it to be different than uh, immersive experiences. Um, so for social experiences, you know, my goal is always to connect people. That's like my, my underlying key directive is connection. Um, and to connect, if you, if you have a goal for an experience, to achieve that goal, it means that you have to like design the experience for people to behave mm. a, a certain way, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're actually um, controlling their behaviors a little bit. Or a lot, depending <laughs> on the experience. <laughs> if nothing else, you're giving them like the the, the framework of choices they have, right? Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. you can you can go here, you can go there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're doing this knowing yeah. that when they do that, something's gonna happen, right. or something should happen, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's why I see it's like it's a it's a great tool that we can use to teach behaviors. So if we wanted people to be more vulnerable, we can we can create an experience that cultivates that behavior mm. in people and that might be like you know speaking more from the heart you know or listening or looking in the eyes right right like these are all behaviors that we're we're getting people to do um and so that's why i see it as a powerful tool because if we can if we can start uh, cultivating behaviors um then we can start we can focus that on positive behaviors Right. See, one of the things, one of the things with technology is that it does the same thing. It cultivates behaviors, and we have been uh, com- uh, complacent. You know, we we've been careless about those behaviors it cultivates, and right. I think now we're seeing the repercussions of it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're we're so used to the pervasiveness of screens, and you know, we we thought of it mostly as like a, a sort of a neutral medium, right? I mean, like how different is watching a movie from, you know, watching a play, you know, how, and then mm. how different is watching a, a, a movie from watching television and, and mm-hmm. on and on. And, and these are sort of, we went from very communal experiences uh, in our entertainment of gathering together mm. to watch people perform live yeah. to increasingly solitary. Like now we watch YouTube videos on our phones shoved in front of our faces. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've been watching The Prisoner lately, which is a great, you know, TV show from the 60s, which I always meant to watch. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it a lot on my iPad in bed. So I'm like holding it up, mm. you know, away from my face. You know, like at arm's length, like I right. read a book, and that's yeah. how I'm watching a show. Which <laughs> you roll back, that show's you know 50 years old. You roll back, and it would they have didn't been watch it that way. no, <laughs> the family, you know, a couple in front of their television, or a family gathered around. I like, yeah, yeah, I like the, the communal because um, one of the things that I would often you know think about is um, the way we gather or how we gather. Um, it hasn't been really like innovated a lot from what how it originally started. So right. like you think of a of a bar or a club 
uh, you date back to medieval times, it's pretty much like it, all that's all that we've had to it is more production value. But it's pretty much like <laughs> the same the same thing. People go in a bar, they stand up, they drink, blah blah. Uh, and obviously that changes with culture. But um, you you just brought to my attention that we did actually reinnov- um, reinvent or, or innovated upon um, how we gather, which is like which turned out to be more individualistic. Yeah. You know, like, so we used to gather and, like, go in, you know, movies maybe or, like, watching cars or stuff like that. But, and and that was communal in a in a sense, right? But now, like you said, you just, like, illustrated, you were just, like, lying there with the iPad, like, at arm's length in your bed, you know? And just, like, it's become even more individualistic and isolating. And I've always been interested in experiences because... I think what experience is, is it's, it's reinventing or innovating on how we gather. So when you think of something like, uh, you know, daybreakers, right? Mm-hmm. People get up early in the Thursday morning and they go, they go dance. Well, you know, every Thursday they're doing that. Well, that's no different from going to, the ch- going to church every Sunday, right? Um, so church is is you know the, the function and the form of it in terms of going out gathering being communal being in community i think we experiences um social experiences are reinventing um or innovating on that like asking the question wait how many other wa- how how else can we gather right yeah. other than this concept of like you know church great yeah that works for some people how else can we gather oh, well, I guess we can wake up early in the morning and paint our faces and go in a room and, you know, dress up and dance with other people for an hour and then head to work. Like, that's a cool way. That sounds that's a pretty different way of doing it. Um, so I, I like social experiences because I think the more creative minds that are applied to it, the, the, the more the different of ideas and ways of gathering we'll see which will then cultivate, you know, these different types of behaviors. Um, and so the responsibility, going back to like, you know, how, how this got started, the responsibility that we, we have is to, is to think consciously about like the behaviors that we're, we're generating yeah. and not be careless about it. When it comes to this idea of sort of like the, the, the atomic person, right? Like the individual, which, mm-hmm. you know, Western culture has been sort of moving towards you know the the crowning of the individual mm-hmm. um, for for a few for many generations now, but like we're we're really in this this rugged individualistic thing, right? Like um, that's really American, and and the seeming inability, particularly in the internet age, for people to recognize, you know, that there is another individual on the other side of a screen, or or just sort of the way that cities often you know, depersonalize experiences for for us, like the experience of life. I mean. Mm-hmm. If we think about our relationship to, you know, franchise coffee places, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to, or even better, like the, the classic example of fast food in Southern California is In-N-Out. And, and pretty much 85% of In-N-Outs are identical. I can walk into any In-N-Out and I know exactly where the bathroom is going to be. I know where the soda fountain is going to be. I know what seat I prefer. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter where I am. There's only like 15% of them don't have the exact same layout. And I'm a little like, oh, this one's different. Right. To the point where the people feel interchangeable too. 
right? Mm-hmm. The same way in a Starbucks, like the people feel can feel interchangeable because we we've, we've put up this behavior where it's like you stand in this line, you walk up, you say these this particular magical incantation, yeah. the 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 latte pops out or the the double double animal style pops out. Yeah. How as an experience designer for social experiences, do you sort of start breaking that behavior, breaking, you know, funny, maybe breaking's too harsh of a term, but like, how do you, how do you bring people into that sense of community, that sense of gathering? What's your, what's your approach there? Yeah, that's, um, the, the, the example you describe is like, yeah, the, the, the extreme take on, um, you know, taking advantage of that uh, human trait of um, human-like consistency. You know, mm-hmm. that's so. It's a, in, that's a, definitely an extreme take on it. And the way, like I, I break that in social experiences. Um, I have this one called Audio Room, which is a living room pop-up concert. And how that started is that I would have, um, you know, to give. It's like meeting meeting uh, guests halfway of consistency. So the format is consistent in like audio room. It's like live performance, live musicians will come. Uh, it's a living room, and um, and it's got like you know same same vibe consistently. But where I break it is that the living room changes, and so every time I do it in a different living room, that environment breaks it. So it's it, and the the the, the living room creates its own vibe, though consistent with what people would expect it's still completely different so and the common feedback i would get on that people will will come to like multiples and they'll be like man this is so different from the last one you know and so what i would do is like i would give like the same name same branding but and and you know give some sort of like a consistent expectation and familiar what people are familiar with because they when people come to experiences they want familiarity Right. So if you think about daybreakers as well, it's the same. It's the same model. Mm-hmm. They'll do. You come, The format is consistent. You come. You can dress up. There's a DJ. There's music. There's yoga. There's meditation. Right. However, they'll break that with changing it and popping up in different locations and giving it different themes. And so what that does, it starts to like um, change people's behavior and attitude towards it. Right. It's almost like you come the first time. You're like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Right, and you and even if you weren't like interested in it, you might come to the next one and be like, "Oh yeah, I like this one more." See where it's going. So sometimes, you know, this this space might have a different effect from you know the the previous space that you yeah. had, and people actually drop into it more. I had one feedback I had, which was the most interesting, is that someone said they they come to the living room experiences because they wanted to just like see all the, the spaces <laughs> it's almost like they use the experience to tour around san francisco and yeah. see different spaces and i was like that's dope because if i were you that's what i would do like that's how i would get to see the city right because you get to like pop in like all these interesting spaces that you'd never otherwise come about because they're not public spaces yeah um oh, that was yeah i mean the first year or so of no pro i was always like you know go somewhere I haven't been to see something I haven't seen mm-hmm. right like that was always the the most fun it was like oh like where what part of town am I in now what right. is this building is that the building oh that's the building okay where are we where's the entrance yeah you're always you know. like at, 
trying to understand like what's good what yeah, is this about yeah. what, what interesting smell we've discovered right you know like like constantly with with that this this sense of and and it's that exploration you know becomes its own reward yeah and right? i i use that to to the advantage of experiences as well because i'm wanting to cultivate conversations right so every time someone walks into a space they one of the things that they'll talk about is the space they'll be like oh where is this place like what is this and then they're like i don't know and then i heard it was this and like it becomes an icebreaker, mm. and so what I'm what I like to do is set up these those little things, and I call them micro experience. I have like the the experience, but I'm all, I'm thinking about the micro experiences that are gonna happen from the minute like they arrive mm. in the space. So it's like, what's gonna happen? Oh, they're gonna like walk up into this weird space, right? And then that that they'll talk about, or they're, they're gonna see like this weird art in the wall, and I'm thinking of like, oh yeah, that that becomes like a talking point. And for me, I, I, like, I don't do, like, big spaces. I tend to do intimate experiences. So 30, 40, 50. My, the largest I've ever done is, like, 150. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I mean, 150 is a good, a, a, a large group of people. It's a pretty good, it's yeah, a pretty good set. Yeah. Um, I see that as, a, as, as still intimate, given the, um, you know, it was a dance experience. And dances work uh, different because it requires more energy. Right. So there's always people, like, in different places at mm-hmm. the time. Um, but I like oh, yeah. I like when I get people like you know into like one room, um, and they can't really necessarily like break out into like a little corner, because because pe- people will tend to do that like break out in a little corner, and they'll just like hang there and t- have like conversation. That can be good, but I like to have them all in one space and make it feel cozy. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you get the cozy, then people are like, even though someone bought a ticket don't know anyone there my goal is to get them to feel like they just came over to their friend's house party and that's part part of that design is the hosting as well it's like hey what's up yeah there's the kitchen it's a fridge help yourself to what you want it's like i'm not gonna be like here's water here's this like i don't do that i'm just like here's all the things over there mikasa sukasa help yourself and and then what happens is like i'm basically setting the intent and the energy to just be like you're you're over at a friend's house. It's, it it just happens to be like really high production at this point. <laughs> so what what was the pivot point for you to go from from making stuff like this to building that building a platform to help other creators and to push towards sustainability? Was there was there an inciting incident as a screenwriter would look for or it. It was um, most of my development in in, in experiences has been um, inquiry. Mm. I've always been inquiring. So it started out with me inquiring about how can I have how can I create a space, um, an environment for people to come in and and have meaningful conversations, and uh, that led into like spending three four years really digging in to that and. After getting to the point where I personally feel like, you know what, I think, I think I got that. <laughs> like, I think I know how. <laughs> um, then my next question is like, well, how do I scale this? Mm. You know, how does it go beyond me? And that was the pivot, like, asking that question and starting to inquire about that. So pivoting and going and doing things towards, uh, like, um, doing presence is essentially me wanting to understand how does it scale and how is it sustainable, right? And 
in my in you know in this in the years like a three four years of uh of doing this what i realized is like you know i'm inquiring and i'm like yeah conversation how do you do this and like how do you design intentional spaces and i'm like i'm thinking it's just like me <laughs> thinking about this or doing it and then as over the years as i'm designing and creating and meeting more people and talking and having more conversation i'm like there's a ton of people out here thinking about this. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. And then I went to Burning Man. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, there's, and there's definitely times. So, so Burning Man came afterwards. So that's really interesting. Um, I mean, I, I've, I haven't been to the burn, but I mean, I've definitely been conscious of it since. Oh, oh, I think just just around the time they started going out to Black Rock City is when I sort of became aware that it existed and then was kind of frustrated because I was like, oh, I could have gone to this while it was on, you know, while I was out on, you know, the beach. <laughs> that would have been nice. That would be nice. Uh, it wouldn't have cost me anything. I was definitely too broke. I'd still been too broke to go to Burning Man. Um, but there are times when I feel like a lot of what we see in the experiential world, particularly in, in the stuff that isn't, as narrative based, but is is really sort of driven by, you know, experience first, tone, you know, uh, things that you might see like parties and dinner parties or dance things or or you know, whether they're participatory dance things or not participatory dance things or sort of art installations that that are participatory. I mean, that's all that sort of stuff you'll you'll find at Burning Man, and there are times when I feel like what we're seeing is the the man's been gestating this aspect of culture for a generation now and that desire to have these sorts of things not just exist in this temporary autonomous zone that breaks out in in the desert for a week every year but for it to really you know embedded and change the culture Mm -hmm. and it's it's always fascinated me how many different types of people are attracted to the man you know that you get this range from your techno libertarians to your full anarcho communists right like and and everything in between you know um and we're all experiencing it differently too yeah yeah Yeah. a complete microcosm yeah Yeah. it that's one of the the first time i went to burning man i i came back and i wrote a uh, an essay about uh, designing culture mm. because the the interesting thing to me about Burning Man is <laughs> how do you design a culture that, that facilitates this, you know? Um, it's not like they're coordinating and telling people or it's, like, it's not, it's not a, they, they literally just create the container. Right. And that's, that's what's amazing about um, Burning Man um, because when you do an experience or like, like when I'm doing a social um experience um if the deeper you go into like wanting to like cultivate connection uh you have to set that container and every experience you're setting the container you're do you bring people into it and you 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 have a sit down and you know you're going to communicate it's communicating on like what's going to happen what's to be expected so like for me setting the container at something as simple as audio room will be like hey we've got you know we've got two artists um I invite you to come in, sit, get comfortable, settle down, um, and you know when the artists perform, we're going to give them our attention. You know, we're not going to talk while. So pretty much having this agreement right. that this is what we're going to be doing. There's a social contract, and, and it's a yeah. social contract. It's a strong intention, and Burning Man does it at a scale that is like 
you know you you stand there like at night and you look around and you're like this is crazy like how how did how did they do this and so that in asking that question i pretty much spent the entire like most of the trip uh, just like making mental notes of like what they'd have to do to, to to do this right like you know one of it that i came up with is ownership like giving people complete you know setting the the guy the principles and then giving ownership so they're not telling people they don't have to tell anyone what to do right. people just come and they're like oh yeah we're gonna create this and we're gonna create that and then you have like about thirty thousand people who are all gonna come up with you know interesting cool ideas and then they're all there and that is one of the things that inspired me about Burning Man because then my question is like, well, great, Burning Man shows we can do this. Why aren't we doing it in the sea? Yeah. Why do I have to come all the way in a desert yeah. to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what's interesting uh, to me. It's like, how do you bring that and get it like happening on any given night? That's just how we get it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's been the question. I mean, I grew up on public assistance and pretty broke and, and the idea of going to the man was always it's always been too expensive and then work got in the way so there's a part of me that's always sort of resented its existence because of just how much right, right. I, mean, I didn't have a car until like the year, yeah. the year 2000 right yeah. so like that part of it was you know not going to go and i was more of a, a loner uh around college time or post-college time so the idea of like you know, going with a camp you know, or finding a camp to sort of like me. And that was, it, it always felt like, like, oh, you got, you got to find a camp. Well, it's like, okay, so like, so I got to have friends who go, but then how do I make the friends who go? It just becomes this like, it, it feels almost like joining like SAG or something like that. Or it's like a whole a thing. Un- yeah, you're joining a union. And like, all, okay, so to get into the union, I have to work, but like, I can't work unless I'm in the, whoa, whoa, man. Um, yeah, exactly, you're right. It's a whole thing. But, yeah. but, and looking, and, and I remember one time seeing like, they used to there used to be this empty lot in San Francisco near City Hall, really close to the Bill Graham Civic. In fact, maybe next door to the Bill Graham Civic, or just just down there. Can't remember exactly where, but just down in there. And uh, the one year, maybe two years in a row, but one year they definitely they, they erected the man there before they took him out to Black Rock, mm-hmm. uh, or they erected like a smaller version of the man. Right? I mean, this is this is. Talking somewhere between like ninety eight, ninety nine around here, right? Um, and I was like, "Wow, that's really interesting!" Like this sort of anchoring of of the man before he was taken out to Black Rock, and that that drive of like exactly how do we bring this energy back at the time, specifically to the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then just beyond. Yeah. And there's a lot of you know there's 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 micro burns or whatever however they're referred to and, that, and and all that sort of stuff. That's a yeah, and that's a careful strategy on Burning Man, Burning Man's part in terms of how they're doing it, um, yeah. which is to have uh, these uh, smaller burns. Um, in different parts of the world, yeah. and so that if you if you were to visualize that, you know, think it think of it as like you know the the Earth as this uh, water globe, right? And Burning mm-hmm. Man is just like a you know like a rock here, and that ripples out, and then the microburns are like pebbles, and that ripples out, right? Yeah. And so the way I see like experiences in the cities, whether it's meditation or audio room or whatever, is that that's another smaller pebble, right? Yeah. And that's gonna create its ripples. So the more of these that we have, the culture and the way um, of Burning Man and the values and the principles that it that it's facilitating, cultivating, it's starting to ripple ripple out into the world. 
and the, the trick or the, the the reason that that is needed is um, it's all about numbers you know consciousness mm. is a numbers game you know the ev- evolution of evolution of our consciousness is a numbers game might some might think it's like this individual thing right um, but let's just say Jesus was you know evolved and highly awakened right and the Buddha and Muhammad and all these they're, they're probably just like highly awakened individuals human beings that were deify right um, but the world hasn't changed because they walked the planet or they were here so for me I think it's a numbers game the more people we can get to be you know awakened versus like it being an individual awakening it needs to be a collective awakening yeah and I believe uh, experiences true uh, behavior change behavior learning can help with that it, it's a tool for that and we're at a point with experiences that is a is an important uh, marker it's an important point because it's a very young industry and it's now growing right it's now taking on a form and its identity right and what will that identity be right will it be like yet another tool that we use for consumerism and capitalism or would it be a tool that we can use to like awake ourselves and connect to each other so yeah. it's, it's a very important thing I, you know yeah tool, I think. yeah are we gonna is it just gonna be another thing that we use to commodify you know i mean literally commodify an experience right yeah. and just like cook it. i mean you know one sort of thematic thread for me uh that stretches back to you know before college was I was always interested in the idea of initiatory experiences. A lot of that came out of you know studying Campbell, um, studying mythology, and mm. and this this idea of cool. you know how how you create an experience or how not how one creates an experience, but how a society, a culture, creates an experience mm. in order to move usually a young person from you know, one stage of their life into another stage of their life, right? Yeah. Initiatory experiences. And, and we have we yeah. have these things. We have these things. We, we kind of gloss over them in cultures. But like, you know, in, in Jewish culture, there's, you know, the, the bar, the bat mitzvah. Yeah. We have marriage, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great, you know, there's, there's, there's all these kinds of, you know, you know, transitional experiences. You know, we do, we do, you know, High school graduation, college graduation. Yeah. These are these are every culture has its own. Yeah, and and some of them have more more meat on the bones than others. Some of them are more participatory. Some of them just tend to be like, okay, you're going to walk across that stage, you're going to we're going to say your name, and like that's it. And mm. others are like, we're going to we're going to set you a challenge, right? If you right. think about you know, defending your doctoral thesis, it's like we're going to sit you down and we've read everything you said, and now we're going to question you. Mm-hmm. And you know, make you survive this you know, <laughs> gauntlet of questions. I mean, how different is that from like, well, you you've trained in the sword, and now we're gonna like send you to fight a bunch of people. Right, right. Like, it's just it's just the mind. Yeah. But but that we we hit this place. Um, I mean, to some degree, I guess some people have always known, but like we have so many people now that there's just a, a sort of a critical mass of people who understand that this is an option that creating an initiatory experience or creating any kind of experience for an effect mm-hmm. uh, to convey a value or to, like you were saying, like reorient a behavior. Like mm-hmm. all these things are, are possible now. Mm-hmm. And the major difference between this knowledge now in 2018 and this knowledge in like 1918 is about six 
billion people, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there's way more people Mm -hmm. who who just know this, just multiply times six, like six times the number of people know. And we're dealing from the tens of thousands to the hundreds of thousands to probably the millions of people who understand that this is an option. And and that kind of numbers becomes, your numbers becomes a kind of power. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it's it's like when we talk about wealth and income and, you know, distribution, we talk about like the 1%. And if you do the math on the 1%, you know, even in America, that's, you know, we're talking about, you know, close to 4 million people mm-hmm. and 4 million people exerting their will even not in unison like that's that's a lot of energy getting that's, thrown towards things yeah that's a that's a lot of energy and i think the the conversation that uh, that we uh should have and continue having having is um how do we want to use uh experiences how do we um, want to use that tool? Because we would hope in that like four million, you know, majority of the energy is exerting it to towards uh, uh, human good, right? right. Because they cannot, they're always going to be actors who are going to be exerting it towards something else. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the more we have the conversation that is like, yeah, we can use it towards good. And then we can show like the younger generation, the next generation, how they can like use these tools, um, the better. So, so like for me, like you know, as as I explore and I dive and I get more into in this 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 realm of experiences, there's so many things going on and so many uh, different approaches to it, and everyone I think that I've spoken to sees it the same way, and it's like it can be used for good because of the behavioral changes. Um, However, we just have to be cognizant of the fact uh, that as you work with brands, as you work with corporations, they have a different agenda. Right. And the reason that's important is because, to be fair, that is somewhat how experiences is being introduced to the world. Oh, yeah. True brands, true corporations. Oh, um, we're, we're recording this on the Wednesday that's the preview night of Comic-Con. And there's going to be a bunch of what in the marketing world they call activations down at Comic Con, right? right? Yeah. And and for a lot of people, this is going to be their first their first time through like something that's not going to Disneyland, where they're like, oh, you can build out a world and I can participate in it, right? And it's it's all aimed at you know attaching you like give you some sense of loyalty to a product, preferably a product right. that doesn't exist yet, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, provided that there's some sort of good value inside that product, like it, you, we, can, we can judge this ethically or morally. It's like, well, you know, like, yeah, like this is this is being done for like, you know, DC Comics, you know, like, you know, streaming service, which is literally one of the ones, it's like DC's got a streaming service. But like, what are the core values of the non-Zack Snyder DC products? Yeah. They're they're about heroism and sacrifice, and yeah. and you know like standing up to do good, mm-hmm. you know, in spite of you know whatever yeah. the, the prevailing. Wind so there's a lot to work are. with to do a positive yeah. experience. Yeah, there is. There's, you can, you can totally <laughs> get you can get one done in a brand. Yeah. You know, if, if if you want to. So it's like a great way to to design an experience. Um, yeah, and, and I've, as, because I've spent a lot in the designing experiences for communities or in communities, um, in the context of community, 
um, I'm actually exploring and going into doing it for brands mm. because I want to see what that's like, yeah. what that looks like, what are brands asking for, what are they interested in, right? Can they be con- convinced that, hey, you can actually do a dope experiences that connect people and the experience is about the people and connecting them and not your product, <laughs> but they'll remember your brand because they got to connect with themselves or someone in a meaningful way, right? And that's that's a value. So like, I mean, if you think about like the classic Coca-Cola advertising campaigns are all about sharing a Coke and a smile or connecting. It's like people being happy with each other and and the product is just, it's just a medium through which that energy between people flows, right? Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Um, and I, I think what's interesting as well too is that a lot of the 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 brands that are excited and using this and interested in this are, are relatively young brands mm. right and that um they they're more open to creative ideas you know like <clears throat> like big brands tend to do like uh like a big pizzazz like a wow <laughs> right yeah. whereas small brands they're f- because they don't have the budget they need they need to do something like that's cool um and has the pizzazz but you know at a, at a smaller level and what that what i find that it's doing is uh it allows me to be creative and they're open to that creativity of being like this is another way it can be done and this is doable with the budget we have um and because uh, i think those those conversations i want to have with brands because the more of those brands that are doing it in this way of like hey we're trying to cultivate community you know like authentic community even if it's around their brand um, so let's just say you have a brand and it's, uh, you know, like um, a fitness product, right? Then the experiences could be around, you know, the behaviors and the culture of being fit, being healthy, right? Mm-hmm. And that's those behaviors are positive and good. Um, so if, if a brand were to design experiences and cultivate community around those values, right, um, then, you know, the other companies in the rest of the world can show like, oh yeah, this is a really, this is a good way of um, creating uh, experiences, not necessarily just for an entertainment value and buzz value, but to actually generate like meaningful connection. Because guess what? Experiences is a great way to actually, to bring those values that they talk about. Well, that's the way to bring it to life. Yeah. You know, like that. So if you really have good values for your brand and your company, well, then stop putting it on your website and your page and bullshitting <laughs> about it. And let's see it come to life for real. Let's see you put like, you know, your money where your mouth is and, and, and have those values. Because Burning Man, when you look at it, it's the experiences around its values, right? Right. And what people get out of it is innately good from those values. So if brands want to talk about their positive values, then let's put an experience around it, right? And see what happens, right? Like, like That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. In, in- embodying values through deliberate design yeah Yeah. that's i mean at the end of the day that's whether it's a brand or an artist like that's that's the heart of it like uh, back in the in my you know days when i was covering transmedia we'd have these like you know discussions about you know while trying to define transmedia it's like well is it one story told across multiple platforms or is it multiple story and like all this stuff and it was all running around story and narrative and people attached this idea and and i would always come back to this notion of well the point of a story is to communicate values 
Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, like, the first stories we're taught are usually stories with a, a clear moral in them. Yeah. And the moral of the story is, yeah. right? You know, it's it's not for nothing that that's, that's a way we teach children what stories are about. Mm-hmm. And then you get to a, you know, your, your adolescent phase where you wanted to say, well, it's just for entertainment purposes only, and let's not explore or, or question the inherent values in a, in a narrative. And it's like, no, 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 they're there, and you should be free to explore them. But a narrative, a, th- a three-act or a five-act structure, dr- you know, dramatic communication, that's not the only way to communicate values. A song can communicate values. Mm-hmm. A painting communicates values. A dance communicates values. Mm-hmm. You the know, story exists in all those things. A story can exist yeah. in all those things, but like, I think it's almost like underneath it is that that near telepathic communication of values, right? Like if you've got, if you set an experience up right, mm-hmm. it can almost feel like you're doing telepathy between you and the artist or even like telepathy, like group telepathy as everyone kind of looks around and realizes where they are and yeah. what's going on and come to a realization together. Yeah. And then hopefully afterwards, like compare notes and be like, was this? And then like, yeah, oh yeah, it was. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's what that was about. Yeah. And that's you can see that as storytelling, or or you can see it as you know it, it's definitely communication at, yeah. the, at the end of the day. But like we we need not necessarily be attached to narrative if we can push past and think about it in terms of values and 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 how we're designing people to sort of come to these realizations yeah to, you know? to, to experience those values to to um to cultivate it in a in a space yeah totally and um it's it's kind of it's interesting what you said about like it's communication you're 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 absolutely right about that because for me you know like most most of the experiences of you know design is really just like something i see in my head Mm. And I, it's it's there, and I'm like, yeah, that looks really cool, but I really can't tell someone about it. I can't be like, hey, yeah, and I was thinking about this, and you know, I think we should do that, and the lights would be this way, and we should have this artist. Like, I can't do that because then it'll like, I don't think people will like really understand what I'm saying. So I create it, and then when I invite and people come to it, for me, that's like you're standing in my head. Mm. that's like that that was that's really and then i'm also like i'm at the success of that experience is, is really like i'm i'm remember like is that what's in my head or does it look the same like is it the same thing is it the same feel um and what's always interesting about it is when people come into it that's where it's fun right like in my head it's one way it's like you know the design the experience the flow but i'm not really like seeing people in it with their energy and their reaction so when i when it's designed and people come into it they bring their energy mm. and their reaction and that's where that's where like your experience really comes to life whatever it is right when people come into it and that, that's like my favorite part is like i'm in some ways communicating as you said with with people and and a lot of the experiences that i've done has really been based on like my own growth mm. and my own uh, journey. So, like, oh, I discovered meditation. So, I did experiences with meditation. Um, discovered, like, you know, cacao. I did experiences with that. You know, like, I, um, muse, I love music, right? I love discovering music. So, I create an experience around that. So, it's always really like my growth, my development, and where, where I am 
in in life and the way I, the way I like to think about it is that I, as I'm learning about something um, I'm sharing that through an experience people can be um, exposed to that as as well so if I you know discover like like yoga or meditation then I'm creating experience so other people can discover it and learn about it um, in in that way so it's it is a form of communication it's like me saying hey you should do yoga but no <laughs> I'm like I can't do it that way I have to like create the whole container and bring you in just like what do you think about that that was good or right? and then yeah. you're like yeah that was so good that's felt but yeah and I'm like great awesome <laughs> yeah no I dig it I dig it um what's so you've, you've got you're aiming towards working with brands you've been you've been working with intimates you know, scale stuff you've got presence what's uh what's in front of you right now what's what's the priority on your plate at the moment uh what can we be expecting to see from you as we sort of head towards the end of the conversation um, here yeah i think um just moved to la from sf so in that transition and um you know yeah, still wanting to do some of my uh experiences that i i usually do but uh right now I'm I now working towards launch, sort of like relaunching the Glint as this uh, uh, experiential collective where we work with brands. Uh, and so people can like, uh, brands, um, communities, organization can bring us in and we can design experiences for them, um, working with members of our collective. And, uh, and then the other thing that's new, I would say is, um, this thing called experiential by design mm. which is this uh you know similar uh web series of like getting two tree uh guests and co-hosting with a, a friend at chaos pilot and we co-host and we have like real you know uh um live conversation on like a web broadcast it online and uh the idea is to talk about experiential design um its purpose and the role it can have on society um, because for me, I want to have, I, I want to be like a hammer and a nail and just be like hitting this <laughs> over and over. It is a tool that it can be used for expanding our consciousness, right? Like, yeah. And the more people I can have come in on that conversation and talk and share their perspective, the more real that idea becomes, the more people that can see that, oh yeah, this is actually like a great career choice or oh, maybe I should really start tinkering with designing experiences in this way, right? To to expand consciousness. What does that look like? What is consciousness? What is it? What is expanding it really means, right? Yeah. Um, and the reason that I'm wanting that conversation to go out there is because I feel like over a small group of people are having that conversation. Um, but the, the true nature for this to work is diversity. So it needs to reach more people. And right. more people need to, like, from different perspectives, different backgrounds, need to, like, get in on this and think about it. Uh, so I'm pretty excited by, by, by that. We, you know, we're now launching it in, in August. Um, we'll be doing our first, um, and I'm hoping you'll, you'll be able to join for that. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's something that I'm, I'm super excited and just, like, having a nice, you know, uh, conversation with like four or five people on on that topic uh, so that's coming up that sounds pretty rad <laughs> thanks Damien thank you for uh, for a wonderful conversation tonight uh, thank you for having me appreciate it yeah <laughs>
Once again, want to thank our guest, Damien Madre, for being on the show with us today. You can find Presence at withpresence.co, and Experiential by Design can be found at experientialx.design. Uh, look at that. Hey, a dot design is a dot design website. Uh, experientialx.design. That's the website. Um, and this week's guests are going to be a Lindsay uh, Peisinger, who's the director of the Abramovich Method. Uh, she's a performer, choreographer, and director, uh, currently co-directing on, on the Mile Long Opera, which is a citywide public engagement project bringing together a thousand singers on the High Line in New York City. What? What? On the High Line? And she's been working with uh, Maria, Bra- Maria Abramovich. Uh, who, if you don't know who she is, uh, well, that's that's a whole big part of uh, performance art that uh, you're going to get to drop down that rabbit hole. Um, the hosts are Damien Madre and Andy Sontag. Uh, Damien just met. Andy is the program director of uh, Chaos Pilot Experience Design. Uh, he's in Copenhagen. And then they've got some idiot named Noah Nelson, who's the founder of something called Oprah. Anyway, you know, it's me. I'm on the show too. August 2nd, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, assuming the internet holds up. Assuming the world doesn't. Oh, don't say that. It probably will. Hi, guys. <coughs> wow. <clears throat> that was harder to do when you haven't had water in an hour. Um, look, uh, this is Midsummer Scream weekend. I'm going to be running around uh, at least on Saturday. Um, I've been so ridiculously busy of late. Um, and you can kind of feel it on the website too. Like we, we're not, we're not full force. Uh, and it's not because we're not working. Oh God. It's not because we're not working. Um, we're starting to lay down the tracks for immersive design summit for next year. And, um, look more people, more days, more budget to work with, but also more budget problems, more money, more problems. I'm just saying more money, more problems. All right. I'm just, let's just cut right down to the biggie of it all. Um, so yeah, that's going on. Um, we've got Leia, Leia's cooking. Um, there's, there's a lot of stuff that you do when you're forming a nonprofit organization, uh, that involves legalese. And indeed, uh, I'm about three days behind on writing things over there. Um, just, just admitting, cause you know, sometimes your cell phones just suddenly the screen won't turn on and you wind up at the Apple store first thing on a Friday morning. So that was my day. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you know, there's this whole thing where like I actually have a job. So speaking of which, uh, this was my lunch break. So I gotta go. Um, I'd rather hang out and stay with you guys, but, um, sorry. The financial backing for this program that makes even this brief visit possible is provided by our Patreon backers, Jan Budman, Lonnie Hansen, Arthur Tubman, Ari Hurston, Sam Kingan, and Ross Sigworth, our sustaining backers. Everyone at patreon.com slash helps this exist at all. And of course, our good friends at Meow Wolf, who are going to make it possible one day for this to be our full-time job. Yes, 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 but not without your help. So please, for the love of God, think about it. Um, the music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter. You can find us at nopersinium.com, and from there you find all the links to all the fun stuff we do don't forget everything immersive exists that's the facebook group um which sometimes is like the wild west don't worry 
I'm watching everything. Um, yeah, that's it. Until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>